Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 13 of Sword and Spirit, a podcast by First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Today, we're going to be finishing out our topic of spiritual warfare by looking at its human aspects and implications. Welcome back. Hope you are having a great week. We're so excited today to finish our second part of spiritual warfare. The first section was focused on the divine aspect of spiritual warfare, and today we were going to be talking about the human aspect. So we have here Dustin Pierce is in the house. Hey, hey. And then RJ Osborne's producing this podcast. What's up, RJ? We're so glad that you're here uh, helping us put this together. We've been encouraged by people that have been listening and following along, uh, listening to us try to explain, to encourage, and gather truth from God's Word, to apply it to everyday life. And so that's been very encouraging to us. We hope that this is helpful to you. We hope that this is encouraging during this wild year. That's what we want. We want this to be building up to you spiritually and to encourage you to live for the Lord. So, um, Dustin, why don't you get us started thinking about uh, the human aspect of spiritual warfare? Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about the human aspect of spiritual warfare, you have to think, where we left off last week, God's strategy is to use the church. So what is the church supposed to be doing uh, to aid in spiritual warfare? What is our job, basically? And so to start off with, I mean, you look at Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus talks about how he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that the church has this authority, this power from Jesus that even hell can't stand against. And the fact of the matter is, we are involved in the strategy and we do have a part, but one of the main roles that we have is simply to let the Lord guard us. Uh, in fact, in Second Thessalonians 3.3, it says that we should uh, trust that He is faithful and will deliver us from the evil one. And so we just know that first and foremost, the battle is the Lord's, that He is going to take care of things. But we also have some practical things that we can do as well. One is that God has given us authority. And we are, as the church, directed to exercise that authority. And so that includes when you run into the demonic, to whether it's possession or oppression or whatever you believe about those things. We know from Mark chapter 9, verse 29, that in one case, Jesus said, this case of demon can only be driven out by prayer. So what is one of our first go-to tools to use whenever we encounter uh, the demonic or spiritual warfare? Well, it's prayer. And then not only just prayer, but prayer in the name of Jesus. You think about uh, all these stories in the Bible where people cast out demons in the name of Jesus, but I also think about a story in the book of Acts where the sons of, of Sceva, this, these Jewish exorcists, they go to cast out a demon, and they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the demon says, Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard That's of, right. but I don't know you. Who the heck are you? Exactly. And then he overpowers them, it says. Yeah. And it says that they leave the house naked. I'll let I you story. speculate what on earth happened there, that they were overpowered and then left naked. How traumatic was that experience? I they don't got know. whooped. Exactly. But the fact of the matter remains, we can't just say, in the name of Jesus, whenever the presence of Jesus is not there in our lives. So it's not just saying, hey, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. It's praying in the name of Jesus who lives in us and whose presence walks with us in day-to-day life. And so 
one of our first tools to exercising God's authority. It's praying. It's having the power in the name of Jesus and His presence in our lives. And then we see that there are other practical things that we can do, that sometimes Satan uses lies and uh, uses arguments and all these kinds of things to try to discredit the kingdom of God. And we know that as believers, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, that we are supposed to tear down these strongholds by refuting arguments and lofty opinions. In other words, we're not here to just argue with people, but to refute arguments, to say, this is the truth, and this is what stands, and your arguments or your lofty opinions, they don't matter in the grand scheme of things. This is the truth of God's Word. Next, we see that we're supposed to exercise church discipline. Think about it like we're the bride and Christ is the groom. Well, a good bride, when she hears someone talking about her husband, says, hey, you're not going to talk about my husband that way. And so we exercise church discipline and we say, hey, there are people in our midst who are not living the way Christ has called them to live. They're allowing Satan or they're allowing their sin to infiltrate their lives and put on a bad perspective of Jesus. And we see in Matthew 18, what you're supposed to do there is go to someone one-on-one. And then if that doesn't help, go with another witness. And if that doesn't help the situation, then you bring it before the church and the church separates them out from the church and says, you're no longer part of us. And so in spiritual warfare, one of our uh, greatest defenses is our character and who we are as a church. And when someone is hindering that or they're causing a problem, Paul says, get them far from you. If they're allowing Satan to rule and control their lives, get them out of the church. And then my last thing here is test the spirits. In 1 John chapter 4, he says uh, that you test the spirits against the identity of Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and that you listen to the truth. He says you, you listen to us, us being the apostles. And where do we find what the apostles say? Well, in the Word of God. And so as the church, we need to be testing the spirits. You may have felt like God was telling you something, but if it contradicts the Word of God or it contradicts the identity of Jesus, then the church should be able to come to you and say, hey, that's contradictory to what Jesus taught. That's contradictory to the Word, and we can't back you up on that. And so all those things are ways that we can protect ourselves or defend ourselves against spiritual warfare as the church. But then not only that, but you may be wondering, how do I defend myself on a personal level? What do I do personally by myself whenever the church isn't around and something happens? Well, one thing is you train yourself in godliness. If you walk with the Lord and you trust in Him, then you'll be stronger to be able to stand against these things. So 1 Corinthians 9.27 talks about us uh, training ourselves. 1 Timothy 4.8 says something very similar. And so we want to be able to stand apart from everyone else, stand uh, firm in the Lord. Uh, The Bible is profitable for this. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Bible is profitable for training and correcting and rebuking in all righteousness. Uh, And then also James tells us that we can't just read the Word of God, but we need to do the Word of God. We can't just be hearers only, but doers. So we need to be training ourselves in the Word of God. And then also we need to stand ready with the armor of God. And Brett, you can take it away here and tell us all about the armor of God and how do we do that. Yeah, I think when we think about the fight, the spiritual fight, uh, most of the time we go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And so if you have a Bible close by, I'd love for you to pull that out, find that on your 
app on your cell phone if you can. If you're driving down the road, probably not a good idea to do that. You can just listen. Um, when I think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, teaching us about spiritual warfare, I always think about the Three Ninjas movie from the early 90s. Yes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that before. We showed that uh, this year due, due to COVID and being stuck in the house this summer. Uh, we showed that to our children, and they loved it. But uh, Three Ninjas movie with Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum, and they learned how to be a ninja through their grandpa. And one of the lines in the movie is it's great. Uh, he's, Grandpa's trying to teach them how to be a ninja, and he says, Remember, never fight unless you're sure that you can win. And then when we're thinking about spiritual warfare, we can be absolutely confident that uh, we can win. Absolutely. Because of who Christ is, because he has won. He's the ultimate victor over the enemy. He has conquered death. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And so that's what we have because of the gospel. And so if we're thinking about fighting, we have to have think about our spiritual armor. And that's why we have this just this amazing scripture uh, spoken by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. What does that mean? Well, it means our strength is not in ourselves, but our strength's in the Lord. You want to be an awesome ninja for the Lord? Put on his strength. That's Don't right. depend on your own uh, ninja skills. Depend on the Lord. So that's what Paul, he's, he means when he says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are equipped when we put on the full armor of God. God is not just, you know, Jesus told the disciples, okay, go make disciples of all nations, and then leave them hanging. No, he didn't leave them hanging. He gave us everything we needed to defend ourselves against the evil one. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. So the Lord has not left us you know, grasping for straws in this spiritual attack. And if that is you, friend, we hope that this podcast will encourage you that you don't have to keep getting beat up by the devil. You don't have to take it. Uh, verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So that tells us right there, our battle is not against people. You know, often Satan makes us think that our battle is against people, and that's not true. We Paul tells us who we're fighting against. We're facing a spiritual army. Therefore, if we're fighting a spiritual war, then our weapons cannot be of the flesh. Our weapons have to be spiritual. A prayerful senior adult is of more value to the church than the most talented musician or the most gifted teacher. Prayer is where the power is concerning spiritual battle. Verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We have everything we need to win this battle. But we have to remember, this battle is not up to us. This battle is not up to our own devices. We have to fight with spiritual weapons, such as, verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? 
What is the truth? We have the truth of God's Word. Cling to the truth of God's Word. Paul told Timothy to continue what you have learned and have become convinced of. Jesus is the truth. The belt of truth is the foundation for the other weapons. In verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is the breastplate of righteousness? That sounds kind of strange, right, for us? Well, it means to stay above reproach. We stay far from the cliff. We should be different from this world. If we stay far from the cliff, chances are we'll not fall off the cliff when the wind blows. And friend, the wind is going to blow. Verse 15 says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That means that we need to be uh, fitted with readiness. That means we need to be ready in season and out of season to share the gospel. That means we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. And if we're walking in Christ in the Spirit, we're going to be different. People are going to ask us questions. Hey, man, why, why do you have so much hope? Why, why are you different? And you need to be ready. Which means if we're going to be fitted with readiness, we need to know how to articulate what the gospel is. So, DP, if somebody would ask you today, hey, man, you're a pastor. What is the gospel? What would you say? Well, I would say at its simplest, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul tells us it's the fact that Jesus died in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was seen by many, that people saw this, they witnessed that Jesus died for our sins and was raised to life. And this is important to us because Romans 3.23 says, All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is a problem for us because Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So because mm-hmm. all of us have sinned, we all deserve death. But the good news is that Romans 5.8 says, In this is love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were sinning, while we were doing the wrong things, Jesus died in our place, which is what we deserved. And because of that, the rest of Romans 6.23 says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can receive this. Romans 10.9 says that if we believe in our hearts, or if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. So when we turn from being Lord of our own lives, and we make Jesus Lord of our life, we confess that to the world, and we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that He died on the cross for our sins, then we experience a salvific relationship with Jesus, and we get to walk with God from then on into eternity. There you have it, folks. That's the gospel. And so if you're going to be fitted with readiness, you've got to figure out what were you going to say when somebody asked you that question? Okay? And you, it would be helpful, I mean, to share the truth of God's Word. But if you're having a conversation uh, in the workplace, you're going to have to learn how to articulate that in a way to where you don't use churchy language, where you're not awkward and it may be a little awkward but that's okay fight through it don't stop Uh, you're gonna have to learn how to articulate that we all have to do this if we're going to be a threat to the enemy now if you don't want to be a threat to the enemy if you could care less well then you've got other problems to worry about okay so finishing up the armor shield of faith shield of faith in verse 16 of ephesians chapter 6 check this out in all circumstances take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Have you experienced any of those flaming darts coming towards your life recently? Absolutely. They are coming. They're coming in the form of temptations. They are coming in the form of difficult trials. They're coming in the form of negative thoughts. They're coming in the way of overwhelming feelings. And so we have here in God's Word, how do we handle that? Throw up that shield of faith. Faith, when you're tempted, well, should I do this? Should I not? I'm tempted. Here comes the temptation. By the way, the temptation is not the sin, right? Jesus was tempted, yet he didn't sin. So when we're tempted, you have to have faith that says, wait, hold up. God's word says, don't touch these things, right? So if God's word says, don't touch these things, you have a, that's a faith decision. Because in the moment, you can say, well, I don't believe God's word, or you can have a moment of doubt, and that's where you fall into temptation. But if you have faith, that shield of faith, no, I'm going to put faith in the Lord and his faithfulness in my life. I'm going to put faith in God's word. And, and I'm also going to put the faith in the character of God because he knows what's best for my life. So if God says, don't touch these things, obviously he knows what's best for me, right? He And so that gives you uh, the strength to overcome temptation. We're saved by grace through faith. We're sanctified by faith. And we battle the enemy every day by faith, that shield of faith. So the shield of faith is a big deal. Uh, Verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 6, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The enemy is going to shoot arrows of doubt. And whenever that happens, we must remember what God has done through the gospel. The helmet of salvation is the knowledge of the gospel and the hope that we have in the gospel. And so the enemy's coming. And when it happens, you, we have to remember what God has done, who he is. We have to remember God's words to us. This is why God told Joshua to stack up a bunch of rocks when the Israelites crossed the Jordan. So that when temptation came and on the hard days, they could look back at those rocks. They had that memorial stone in their life to remember the faithfulness of God. And then Paul says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Think about your Bible. It's a weapon, right? Your youth pastor probably used to tell you, hey man, where's your sword? Well, your sword is an offensive weapon. It's the Word of God. It brings down strongholds. Prayer and the Word bring down strongholds and fasting. The word is an offensive weapon and is also a defensive weapon. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Many, many years ago, I was a student pastor. I actually, I wasn't even an official student pastor. I was just an interim until they could get a better one. And they were in a hurry to, to get a better one. And I was at this church and it was about 40, 50 kids and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was fresh, green. Uh, I was still in college. And I just could not get through to them. And it broke my heart. And I just was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And so I decided one service, we were, we were just going to read Scripture from the time we started to the time we ended. And we weren't going to say anything else. 
So I wrote down uh, several different psalms on a piece of paper, uh, and I handed those out to every single person. And so the entire service, we just went one person at a time reading the Word of God. And can I tell you, at the end of that service, there was not one dry eye out of 40-something people. Why? There was no music playing. It wasn't emotional. It was emotional, but not because of dramatic effects and, you know, dry ice and fancy lights. It was powerful because the Word of God is powerful. And so we have our, our, our sword, and we need to use it. Swing that thing. Swing it uh, offensively and also use it defensively. So there's some personal aspects of how to fight uh, in the spiritual war. Um, now we're going to transition uh, as we get back to the next. What are we talking about next? Dustin? Yeah, so we're still continuing uh, personal. What do we do? Uh, and I would add to that the very last thing that Paul says after that is uh, praying at all times in the Spirit for all the saints. So like you said, prayer is where the power's at. And pray all the time. Pray in the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you. Let the Spirit intercede for you. And then pray for other people. Pray for the saints. Pray for the whole church. And then also I would say uh, the next thing we're supposed to do in our personal uh, walk and defense against spiritual warfare is to prepare ourselves to resist Satan. First uh, Peter 5, 8 through 9 says to be sober-minded and watchful because our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Mm. It says resist him firm in the faith. And so... We need to be the kind of people who have a strong faith or know that there are other people out there who are right alongside us. They're struggling just like we are and take hope in that, but also be sober-minded and be watchful. You can't be sober-minded if you're always out on the, at the bar on Friday nights getting drunk or you're doing something with your buddies that you know you ought not be doing or you know, any of those kinds of things. You need to be diligent. You need to be sober-minded. You need to be watchful. Because when you're weak, those are the moments that Satan comes in and he takes his shot. Uh, James 4, 7 says something similar, that we should submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So the opposite of uh, submitting, well, the opposite of submitting to the devil is submitting to God. And so we want to submit our lives to God, let him be the one in control, And when Satan comes along to try to hinder us, we need to resist him. But we also need to understand, speaking of spiritual warfare and everything that we've been talking about, we need to know that the devil is not our only enemy. So many times we have this tendency to say, the devil made me do it, or Satan, he was just all over me today, and that's the reason I made a mistake, or that's the reason I did something wrong. In spiritual warfare sometimes, we are our own worst enemies. The world all around us is tempting us, uh, causing us to want to struggle and stumble and fall. And we need to understand, James chapter 4, verse 4, that the word, the world is at enmity with God. In other words, the world and God don't get along. They're like oil and water. And we need to understand that we can't love the world and the things of the world and envelop ourselves in the world and expect that everything's going to be just fine. We have to walk with God every step of the way and not love the things of the world. We also need to be the kind of people who overcome by faith. Jesus tells us in 1 John 5, 4 that we need to overcome the world. 
in John 16, 33, he says that he has already overcome the world. And so by faith, we need to overcome the world. That's right. We can't let the world rule in our lives. Come on. And then not only that, but we have to watch our own flesh because as we're our own worst enemy, our flesh so many times gets in the way. And so a fleshly focus is hostile to God. We see this in Romans 8 and 7 and in Galatians chapter 5 that the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. And so the flesh, not just the world, but the flesh is also an enemy of God. It's a problem and a barrier in our lives and our walk with God. And so Romans 7 says that even Paul struggled with sin. It would creep into his life, and it was a thorn in his side. First Corinthians— You mean the Apostle Paul? That's right. Even what? Paul had this struggle. Uh, but First Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that God always provides a way out with the temptation. Right. There is a way in every situation that we can turn to God and not fall into that temptation. And in Galatians 5, it says that how do we do that? Well, how do we fight against the flesh? If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So at our finest moments, those are the moments when we're walking in the Spirit, we're letting the Spirit lead our lives, and we're letting God have control. Because don't forget, we are are our own worst enemies sometimes. And so watch out for the world, watch out for your own flesh. And I just would give one last encouraging word from First Timothy 6.12 that Paul uh, spoke to his protege, Timothy, as he wrote to him there, uh, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I want to encourage all of our hearers, fight the good fight of faith. Stay strong. Uh, spiritual warfare is tough and it's coming and it's coming harder probably now than it ever has before. But stay strong and fight the good fight. That's a good word. Thank you. Uh, as we get ready to wrap up, just remember that the devil cannot make you do anything. That's right. Nothing at all. So uh, I think sometimes we give the enemy more credit than he deserves. And that's the final warning there is to uh, you know, take heed lest we fall. Right. Look out for yourself. If we If we can get out of our own way. Um, then we, that's yeah, then the Lord can do the rest. Right. I mean, <laughs> there's no telling what God can do with our lives. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. Hope that you've learned something and how to uh, fight these battles. I want to give you some sources, if I can, just three books uh, that I have. I want to tell you about quickly. Uh, one of those, uh, my, my favorite person, author, so many good books on spiritual warfare, but Neil T. Anderson, he is a guy, pastor in Tennessee, uh, a great brother, wrote a book years ago called Victory Over the Darkness. It's very powerful. It's all about the our identity in Christ, which is a, a big part of spiritual warfare as well. And then there's also a book that's been a great resource for me. I use it in counseling a lot called The Bondage Breaker. I think millions of copies of this has been sold all over the world, translated in many different languages. The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson. And then lastly, uh, for those of you who are considering going overseas um, on the mission field in a foreign land, and this also applies to here as well, uh, missions is not just overseas, right? It's a book by Jerry Rankin and Ed Stetzer called Spiritual Warfare and Missions, The Battle for God's Glory Among the Nations. So uh, there's, there's a few more resources that we could... To reference, but those are just a few right now. For those of you that are super interested 
in spiritual warfare, maybe that can be a, a good resource to you. Well, that's all for, for this week. We are humbled that you have chosen to listen to this episode today. We hope you have a great week and that you are God's ninja for God's glory. This concludes today's episode of Sword and Spirit. If you like this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our future content. Speaking of future content, keep an eye out for our next episode as we begin diving into the topic of biblical manhood. Also, be sure to check out our website, fbcbsl.org, for more news and information on everything going on in our church. That's all for today. Until next time, bye.